let's stand for the call to worship. O God, lift the light of your countenance upon us. You have put more joy in our hearts than those who ha whose grain and wine abound. In joy do we rise up and worship you.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church. It's good to be here today and to come together and join our hearts and spirits together as we lift our voices in praise, as we focus and uh, express our devotion to the one true and living God. I trust as you came in, both members and guests alike, that you were greeted warmly as, and graciously as, as you came in. Uh, we want you to know that we are delighted that if you are a guest, that you're here, but also those members who are here too. I think for all of us, it's difficult not to be a bit distracted today because we know of the difficulties so many are facing today and all over Florida and the, the evacuation. But I hope and pray that for a few moments today that we'll be able to remember that we're here to worship God and that we will also lift our minds, our hearts, our spirits in prayer too today as we join together. Southside Baptist Church is a church that's in the heart of Five Points South. It's a church that seeks to continually be engaged in building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that is reaching out to those around us, whether you're residents or maybe you happen to be here because of the storm. We want you to know that we are here to be a part of your life, wherever you might be, wherever you come from and wherever you think you might be going, you're, you're here now. And may we join our hearts and spirits today. One of the things we would like to do is encourage everyone to uh, sign your name in the registration tablet notebook there that you'll see at the end of each pew. And uh, you can write in there if you're a, a guest or a regular member, but also if there's any kind of change of address or phone number, email that you would like for us to know about. And it would certainly help us uh, in staying in contact with you in the days ahead. We do want to welcome those all of each, well, everyone that's here. And we want to do so by passing the peace of Christ. And so for a few moments, if you'll take time to stand up and reach across the aisle to those that are nearby and, and express that to them for just these next two or three minutes. May we further welcome who all uh, are here, and we are all here for one purpose, and that is to worship the Lord our God. Um, I was reminded yesterday um, about gratitude. I, I even put a little note on my Facebook page that I, I realized that I needed to just be grateful that what I needed to do to prepare for the rains, all I needed to do was to clean out my mucky gutters. Uh, there are so many others who have so much that uh, um, have lost and that are in the process of uh, moving and changing and, um, and such that we need to be grateful for that. I also was reminded this morning, though we, we choose our hymns uh, for the homiletic theme, that is the theme of the homily and the morning, uh, 
text-wise, uh, but the last hymn, it seemed, uh, someone suggested that it was mighty prophetic, higher ground. So um, if, as we get to that, uh, if you enjoy that sort of private joke, um, it wasn't chosen for that purpose, it was, but uh, we can think of it for lots of good reasons for that matter. Let's begin as we um, continue our worship with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you have taught us that the rains fall on the just and the unjust. That we are all a part of your kingdom, that we must be aware of one another and one another's needs. And so we come to you this hour to do just that, to minister to one another here in this sanctuary and to recharge ourselves for ministry in the wider community amongst us and those who would, would, we would know in a wider world. We pray for those especially who are in such need today of, of our prayer for concern, but also our action. And may we know that it is your strength that we, in which we find that uh, action ability. Be with us during this hour as we continue our worship, and may we know that all of this is in your great understanding and your grace. In Christ's name we pray it. May we stand as we sing together the psalm text 103, bless God the Father, O my soul.
Our first scripture lesson today is found in the Psalter, Psalm 149, first five verses. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Here ends our first lesson from the Hebrew Scripture. Our second reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 2, and then into chapter 3. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help arose to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites have come now to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, Jack, sit right over there, please. All right. Hello, Miss Alma. How are you? 
we've got all of you here, so we want to be able to hear what you have to say. I'd like to keep you sitting right beside me, just things go better that way. Um, Anna, or Anna, it's good to see Anna, and then Lila, Lila, I'm so happy to see you today, and Abigail, and or Abigail, and Millicent, and Jack, and Ryan, we've got a, okay, well, it's Jack here, okay, it's going to be something else at home, um, and Riley, I want to, You've heard a lot of a lot of talk on the radio about all the storms, haven't you? And you know, we know, and I know you know how bad it can be when you have a bad storm, like we had the ice storm, and you were one of those that had to sit on the interstate with your mom in your car for a long time, didn't you? Well, there are a lot of people that are having to do that because of the wind and the rain that's coming, and this hurricane that's coming. In fact, we've got some people here, actually, the uh, Mr. Miss Bostein. Um, Kelly and, and Hannah's grandparents, they're here because we consider them our, our own, but they live down in South Florida and they had to evacuate. So they're here and um, we're glad that you have a safe place to come and, and stay. And then there are others who have been evacuated too. Miss Faye has some uh, our, uh, great nephew that called her and had some uh, relatives that he wanted to see if she could uh, let stay in her home so they could avoid the rain. There's all kind of things that are going on all around us with people responding to the disaster that comes. And you know, we've been talking about a lot with taking special offerings. Um, more people than, well, maybe. It could be the reason you see more people than normal in here is what Jack said. But I think maybe, uh, maybe that everyone just got up and wanted to come to church today, John. How about that? Think so? I think so. Um, but look at this. This is something that we're doing for uh, both. It's, it's both disaster relief, but it's also for our ministries that go on all the time. We talked a little bit about it last week. Now, look, Anna, you can help me with this. And, and Abigail, I mean, Millicent. We've got some things. Oh, it's the wrong one. The one that I was going to put in here was the one that's in the, in the narthex. We've got all kinds of things that are in that one out there. We've got shampoo. We've got. Um, toothpaste and there's toothbrushes and all kinds of things to make some hygiene packs and while we were going to give that to the folks the homeless here we probably are going to be using that a lot of that to make hygiene packs will be sent to other places because people won't have water or power and they'll be in their homes without a lot of the things they need they'll be displaced for a long time so we want to provide some of that and um, another Anna is coming and delivering the box of that she has and that's the one that has the, the other things in it. See, so we've got these, like the toothpaste and the shampoo. And there's some all kinds of things in there that people can use, lotion and other things that people will be able to use. So we want to take, I don't think there's any lipstick in there, but if people gave Why it, we would put it. Why is there a mouth? It's not a mouth. That's soap. That's soap. Yeah, that's uh, you see, you learn something every day, Jack. Um, the... Um, as we take all of these up, we want to collect them, and we're going to put them in a bag that will make a hygiene pack. You'll have, we'll have soap, and we'll have. Yeah, they do, but we're talking about soap and, and other things right now. So we think about all these things that you would need on a regular day. So, can you help us collect some of these over the next week or so? Okay. Well, people, 
you know, people that are away from home, they won't have the things they need. And so we can also collect water and other things that will be able to use. So we want to do that, and we'll make some hygiene packs for here. If, if we find that there's more than enough in the other places, we'll keep them here and give to the homeless in Birmingham. So you can do that, right? You think so? You think we can all do that? Yeah. Abigail? You think we can do that? I think so, too. Well, when we think about all those that, that are uh, having to leave Florida, like the Vice Queens and others that have come to five places, we want to just for a moment think about the things they will need, but also that, that God would wash over them and protect them. Okay, let's pray together. Loving Lord, we thank you for all your blessings, and we thank you that you can help us to understand the needs of those around us. I pray that we can do our part. If when we give, we give in a way that is um, helpful to those, that we give with a cheerful heart, and that we um, always lift up those who are having difficulties, who have lost their homes, who have lost loved ones, those who find themselves struggling together. May these children also teach us how we might be able to have compassion in ways perhaps that we don't always see it. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in there. No. No melon. Will you join me in prayer? Oh Lord our God, we give thanks for your everlasting love. We've expressed our confidence you, in you this morning as the God in whom our trust is to be found, a covenant God, ever faithful and true. We thank you that you are our constant companion. You share in our hopes and dreams and also our fears and anxieties. And we ask you this morning that you would console us when we're in trouble and help us to know that you are with us when our strength fails. We give thanks to you for your forgiveness for those times when we have gone astray. May your mercy and grace inspire us to new ways of living. Lord, Lord, Lord God, we especially pray this morning for those who have suffered the loss of home security and the storms that have hit the Caribbean and Florida. We especially pray for those who are worried about family members and friends and those who are concerned for their homes and their possessions. For all who are in anxiety, we pray for your peace, that even in the midst of distress, we would know that you are the God to whom we can turn and know that your presence is with us. We thank you that you have made us into a family of faith. We Pray that you would enable us to always in our journey of faith and love and obedience be looking to you to lead and to guide us. May we always recognize our need to care for our neighbors, whoever they may be. 
We pray this morning for all who are struggling, struggling with illness, especially those who are close to us in ties of family and friendship. We pray for all we know who are nearing the end of life's journey, fearful of what that might mean. We ask that you would bring comfort and hope and may those of our friends and families who pass rest in peace and one day rise in glory. Lord God, we thank you that you are our companion as you led the people of Israel out of Egypt into the land of promise. So you lead us day by day. Help us to trust in you. Help us to follow the example of our Savior in the beginning and also the end of our journey. Instill in our hearts obedience to your call upon our lives. Lord, we bring all our prayers, those that have been spoken and those that have come from the very depths of our hearts. We thank you that you hear as we offer them all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
movie Shadowlands, C.S. Lewis, played by Anthony Hopkins, is an Oxford professor of English literature who gives a lecture on the problem of suffering and suggests that suffering is God's way of getting our attention, waking us up to deeper things in life. He, he calls it alarm clock theology. And then he falls in love and marries Joy Davidman. And her cancer and death literally turns his world upside down. Later in the play, Lewis is facing the audience and with his wife in hospital, he confesses that his alarm clock theology was too glib. Nothing can explain or make sense of suffering, he feels. Indeed, later he writes a book called Grief Observed, in which he expresses his deepest emotions and his anger at God. The Bible doesn't ignore suffering and evil. Indeed, within the context of the experience of Israel and of its people in the book of Exodus, naive and simplistic answers such as, well, if you obey God, it will go well, and if you disobey, you'll be punished, just don't make sense. The Bible confronts the reality of suffering and evil and the absence of God, which makes spirituality something difficult to struggle with. People who think that a spiritual life is devoted to the highs and happiness and praise the Lord simply don't do justice to the reality of life, to its ups and downs, its twists and turns. And the first chapters of Exodus, until we reach verse 23 of chapter 2, never really mention God at all. He appears to be silent, absent, not interested in the long years as how it's put, in which Pharaoh reigned and the people of God cried out. Over those long years, they cry and nothing happens. Martin Marty speaks about wintry spirituality. And in the winter, we see the reality of what it means for God to be absent. We see sometimes the trees that are without the leaves and we long for spring to come. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 10, I cry to you for help, O Lord. O Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? That was how Israel felt. The long years God appears to be absent. And so for the first couple of chapters in this book of Exodus, it appears that God does nothing. In fact, the only time that the name of God is mentioned in the first two chapters are when we're told about two Hebrew, Hebrew midwives who fear God. But that's all that's mentioned. This is very different from the rest of the book of Exodus, where God is present in every chapter, and he's always active, and he's always doing something. But here, God has taken no action. He has remained silent. We read he heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites and God took notice of them. But don't forget the way in which that verse begins. Years passed after a long time. And the people of Israel are crying out, and God is silent. I would be surprised if you haven't experienced that yourself. Days, weeks, perhaps even months, 
and your situation in the home, at work, at college, at school, or wherever, things have not got better as time has got on. People say time heals, but it doesn't always. Sometimes just intensifies the pain. Where is God? He doesn't hear me. Well, these verses encourage us, encourage us in a strange way to keep on crying out to him and to know that behind the scenes, God actually does hear. He remembers, he looks down, he takes notice. Their relief comes that in the place of prayer, which persisted, they cried and cried and they cried and eventually he listens. I have come down to deliver them. It's interesting, this is actually repeated twice, at the end of chapter 2 and then in the passage in chapter 3 that I read. Although in chapter 3, there's an addition to God hearing, remembering, etc. He says, I have come down to deliver you from the Egyptians. God is actually going to do something. Not only listen, not only remember, not only look down, but actually deliver them. It's an encouragement not to give up praying even when it seems there's no answer, even when the prayers are rebounding back on to your life. The word suggests a prayer of lament, of rage, of insistence, of expectation, of protest. Sometimes we can become very sophisticated and we use etiquette in prayer, but that's not the prayer here. It's a prayer of crying, and eventually, God answers. It reminds me a bit of blind Bartimaeus, who when he hears that Jesus is coming into Jericho, begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people round about are saying, you don't do that when the son of God's around. Be quiet. And he just, he just gets all the louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. For a long time, they cry out to God. I love the way in which God tells Moses that he remembers. Surely God doesn't forget, does he? It's set in the context of a world and of human relationships in which we know that people do forget their promises. They renege on their obligations. They try to squirm out of what they said they would do. But God remembers he remembers his promises, promises to Abraham and to Isaac and now to Moses. Promises that he made back in Genesis 17, for example. I will be a God to you and to your children after you. Pharaoh has said, I will destroy. And, Jesus, and God has promised to remember. He also sees. He looks at his people in the light of what he, by grace and mercy, has done for them. He doesn't look at us as what we are, which is often sinful, but he looks at us as those who belong to him, who have made a covenant of grace with his people. When we pray, we don't argue the case with God. Now do something about this because you know I've lived a good life recently. No, we don't. We come and we ask for his mercy. We're always in need of his grace and his love. He looks at us through the lens of grace. And that's why prayer is answered. God sees, he knows, he comes down. He is pained with their grief. He feels 
the needs of his people get through to him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who protested so much against Hitler in Nazi Germany, says the Bible directs us to God's powerlessness and suffering. Only a suffering God can help us. But not just a suffering God who suffers for us, but a God who suffers with us. God's presence with us in suffering is a gift of grace. Our dignity is affirmed in spite of the assault that is being made upon us by disease or by being overlooked or discriminated against. God is with us and he is for us and nothing will separate us from his love. In a sense, the biblical witness to God is less concerned with any speculation over the origins of evil and suffering and sin. We can't make sense of it. But to know that God is with us and feels and suffers makes the difference. One of my favorite characters from church history and theology is a man by the name of G.A. Studdard Kennedy. He was a chaplain in the First World War, born at the end of the 19th century into a clergy family in Leeds in a very poor part of slum, uh, the slums of the city. He was the seventh of nine children. His father was a priest. He entered the First World War, as so many people did in Great Britain, enthusiastic, a passionate supporter of what was happening. And then he became a military chaplain, and his views changed enormously. He had a nickname, Woodbine Willie. Woodbine was a, a, a cigarette, and he would be at the railway stations as the men were going on to the trains to go to the front line. And he would give them from one pack uh, some Woodbine cigarettes, which even if they didn't smoke, was currency to be used at the, the front line, and a, a New Testament. And take a note of their names and if they would like him to write to their mothers. And then as the trains left, he would sit down and write brief postcards. I saw your son. I prayed with him. The war changed his whole theology of God. He moved from viewing God as dispassionate, remote, sovereign, sitting up in heaven, to a God who was involved, interested, and concerned with people's lives. He said he was convinced that our supreme need is to have faith in the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of God's love. His understanding of who God was, was to be found in the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, incarnate, crucified on the cross. That Christ carries our suffering into the heart of God. He comes in weakness, the weakness of God, which is stronger than humanity. For Kennedy, it is in Christ crucified, where we see the broken, battered, and bleeding God who suffers in, with, and for humanity. He says there is a cross eternally in the heart of God. He wrote poetry. He was one of those war poets, not as famous as some and not as elegant as others. But this is one of his better ones. God, the God I love and worship, reigns in sorrow on the tree. Broken, bleeding, but unconquered, very God of God to me. High and lifted up I see him on the eternal Calvary. 
and two pierced hands are stretching east and west or land and sea and on my knees I fall and worship that great cross that shines above for the very God of heaven is not power but power of love. God doesn't give us easy answers to suffering and to his silence. But God says to Moses on two occasions, I remember, I see, and I have come down. That is our God. Will you pray with me? God of love and of mercy, God of suffering grace, God of promise who doesn't forget. As we often cry to you, we ask that you would hear, you would grant us your peace and give us your deliverance. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Shall we sing our hymn of response, number 641, Higher Ground.
Will you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, you are our creator and sustainer. You are our light and our fortress. You are our wisdom and our strength. We ask for your guiding hand to lead us in the use of these tithes and offerings. May we approach this, ta this task with wisdom. May our conduct create an environment of cooperation and kindness. Thank you for helping us to accomplish your work. We ask these things in your powerful name. Amen.
Loving Lord, we joyfully bring these to your house. We dedicate them to you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would multiply them and use them for your kingdom's work here in this community and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Take your seat for just a moment, please. I want to welcome those who are guests today. Some of you, uh, I look around, I see some, and we want to make sure that you are uh, that you've received a, a warm Southside welcome. If you'll give us uh, a chance to do that by lingering just a few minutes afterwards, there is a little reception there in the narthex and lemonade and cookies for everyone. But we especially want our guests to receive some of those. So hope that you'll linger long enough for us to be able to to talk with you a little bit and and to uh, celebrate this time of worship together with you. This week we have our usual activities, those that are ongoing for our Wednesdays and Thursdays. But in the midst of all of that, we know that there are many that are, that are struggling and having a lot of difficulties, some of those we've already mentioned, and there will be more. Pray that you will know how you can respond in those ways, that you'll be able to discern what is God's will for us, for individuals to respond and to Maybe take those in that are, that are uh, displaced or to give that they might find some sense of relief from the pain that they're enduring. We're reminded by the message today from Dr. Roxborough that God is always in the midst of things, always listening, always responding in, in some way. We just may not always see it and hear it exactly uh, in the way that God is communicating that to us. So may we pray with uh, a sense of... of um, a receptive and open heart and a desire to know and, and to follow, to do those things we can, to be the people of Christ that we are called to be here in this place and beyond. As we go out, Dr. Roxburgh is going to have our benediction. And as you go, receive the blessing of God. May the peace of God that passeth all understanding keep your minds and your hearts in the knowledge of his love that never fails.